Welcome to the Grand and Associates podcast, Insurance Banter. In each one of our episodes, you'll experience insightful discussion that you can turn around and implement into your business to become a more effective insurance professional. And we're happy to be joined by Ann Rog this morning from Arius Analytics for a follow-up conversation from our last podcast regarding AI. Such a hot topic, and I think it was such a uh, fantastic, insightful discussion we had that we're glad to have him back. So good morning. Good morning, Robin. Yeah, nice, nice to be back. Thanks for having me again. I mean, it seems like we, have, we are having fun, and I keep coming back, so I really enjoy it. That's right. Well, I know I've learned a lot. It's probably, uh, and, and really enjoy Chris's insights into this thing too. So this is fantastic. Let's kick it off by, you hear AI all the time, and there's probably some cool, neat things that happen. But uh, when you're seeing what's the difference between cool and, and practical, right? I mean, we're running a business, we got to get stuff done, and it's it's neat to have kind of an oh, wow moment, but if it doesn't really turn the dial for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it it's the difference between uh, having a, you know, a VR headset versus having an Apple Watch, right? I mean, there are some things that are real and some things are cool to use. You'll buy it and play with it for the one week that you have it, and then you'll you'll never see it again. Uh, you know, so so I think it's important to find the distinction between what's practical and and what's you know just and some of them may be interesting things to do, but maybe too early or maybe they are not ready. Um, you know, so it is just a uh, timing thing sometimes. So I think it's good to get a little bit of a sense. Uh, and I think we discussed this in the last conversation we had is a, trying to understand what AI is and see how it can address your business and solve day-to-day issues. Otherwise, it's of no, no real value. I think this whole recent hype around AI became last year a hot topic because of chat GPT and everybody thinks of AI from the lens of chat GPT, which is not necessarily true because there's a lot more besides, and chat GPT is great and we'll talk about it, but there are a lot of other things outside of that, which might be a lot more, you know, quick to consume and easy to use and more, more practical. So yeah, looking forward to talking about all of that. And it, and it may be one of those things. I mean, after our discussion, I've been noticing it almost everywhere. Uh, we get unsolicited emails just from our podcast. And and we had one that uh, was saying, hey, we can do all these great things. You, you upload us your files and they're going to do some things with the video. They're going to do some things with the audio. And as I'm reading that solicitation, I'm thinking, I bet you they're dropping it into some type of... Uh, algorithm AI algorithm type thing to tweak all these things, which, you know, with me trying to run this thing might not be, might not be a bad idea to take advantage of. hundred percent. So you're, you're right. So those are the kind of things that sometimes are simple, but spending, you know, 20 bucks or 50 bucks on that, a subscription would probably save you a few hours and help you, you know, maybe edit this podcast better or save you a few hours of that editing. If you would have, you know, so those are the kind of things that make life easier, um, you know, and give you a starting point. So one one example, and, and I think one really practical example that I love is right now within Zoom itself, you know, there is an AI assistant that they have added into Zoom, which gives you a summary of the meeting at the end of every meeting. So you don't need to take notes anymore, right? And there were some third-party tools that were already offering this. Now this is a feature built within 
uh, Zoom itself. Um, and that's awesome. I mean, it's a simple example of what is very practical, ready to use, saves time. You don't need to write follow-up minutes and summary emails and stuff. And it's already in the inbox. And I, and I absolutely love it. Uh, you know, I've used it quite often. You know, on, on a slight funny note on that, it does not work well, let me tell you, with non-English languages. So when I, sometimes I'm, I'm chatting with my team back in India and we're using non-English communication, it messes it up, but I'm sure it'll it'll get there uh, on, on that as well over time. But that's a very classical example of some real, you know, valuable time-saving uh, tool that's built in uh, within Zoom, right? So, so that's a good example, like you said, with your video editing. The the other one that I really think would, would help a lot of people, and since you mentioned uploading, I think there's a tool called jasper.ai, which has become quite popular, which is, so you've seen a lot of marketing tools that help you write an email or a marketing tool that helps you create a blog post, right? So those are already there. What Jasper does, which I found interesting, is that you look at all your past. So let's say you've written 50 blogs so far. You upload those blogs to Jasper and it will write new blogs in your style, right? So it's not just creating new content, but it is taking your company information, your products, your, your personality, your language style, and it is using that and creating additional ones, new content using that. I think that's really cool application of what's practical and also cool right i mean it's not just something that you play with but you can actually say okay instead of now me writing a next five blogs on my own the tool will create those for me but they will sound absolutely as if they're coming from aureus you know in my style of wording etc etc right so i think that's that's a little more nuanced usage rather than just somebody spinning up a blog post. Hey, chat GPT, write me a blog post on AI and it'll write you, but it, it won't sound like you. Um, you know, so that that uh, that's a pretty interesting one that we've, we've come across uh, quite a bit. Um, on, on, and since I think chat GPT by itself is a very popular topic, we can, we can get to it. And I wanted to talk a little bit around how people use it as well so there is a whole there's a whole stream created of you know a skill called prompt engineering so the whole idea behind yes you have chat gpt but the quality of the output of chat gpt is going to be based on how the question is framed right and those are called as prompts so do me a favor if you have not done this before after this you know, and anybody who's listening, Google job openings for prompt engineers, and you'll be surprised at how much money is being paid to hire people to know how to ask questions to AI, right? So you and I can get completely different answers from the same AI tool if we are asking questions in a different way. The Wall Street Journal had an article on uh, that job this week. Really? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and um, one of their journalists uh, went to apply for it, and so she then went and described what the skills were and how it wasn't as easy as it at first appears. It's a really 
kind of a difficult job, but they pay very well, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, at least for now. Uh, yeah. Some AI takes over, but, uh, you know, I think that's, that's an interesting angle that I thought that people should think of when they are saying, yes, I can use this tool like ChatGPT to create some content, but how you ask it questions is actually quite interesting. So in, in the Aureus team as well, I mean, we've got, you know, AI team and they are learning. I mean, we have to reskill some of our guys on understanding how to ask questions. So it's almost think of it as a new way of programming, right? Like you're all, it's almost, it's almost like programming, but without writing any programming language, it's in English, right? But but how you ask questions matters, um, and you can get completely different different outputs, um, you know, from the same engine, from the same AI uh, tool that you might be using, right? So I, I think that's a that's an angle that people should look at when they start using tools. Is also get a little bit of a skill on from how to ask questions and, and learn that. It's also similar to Google search, right? I mean, if you know how to do a Google search, I mean, it sounds very simple, but there are ways in which you can actually add things in a search. And if you ask it in a certain way, then you get better results than, you know, than normal search, right? And, and it's, the same, it's the same thing. Well, I, uh, hopefully there's a, a silver lining as I'm listening to that, uh, you know, prompt engineer thing and how to ask questions. I know Chris has always talked about having checklists and talking to your clients. So that's probably a good way for you to utilize AI on the, on your side, but you can also compete against it as a, as a real producer, right? If you know how to ask people the questions, prompt them to get them to talk about their business, you're going to outperform uh, them just going and dumping some information in online somewhere. Yeah, and, and you also don't want to create things that sound like machine-created, right? That's the whole idea. Right. Um, Chris, are you seeing anybody asking questions uh, as you're going out and visiting agencies, things, areas in their business that they're trying to look at AI for, sales or marketing, you know, chatbots, whatever they're using? Yeah, the most common place I'm seeing it used in agencies is to create blogs and articles and um you know, repetitive marketing pieces is where I'm seeing it used. And, um, and it done well, it's the qualities are completely reasonable for that purpose. Um, I'm seeing some other people try to use it with actual customer interactions. Um, right now, my experience is that that's, it might be a little early for that. I'm not sure that that really works yet. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I have, I have some concerns. I think the AI part though, that's behind the scenes. So those are the things that you see, you have face uh, vision to it. Right. But I think it's the behind the scenes stuff that is starting to, to really move. And that goes towards your sales process. Um, one of the things that AI can do, and there's Aureus is a good example of it in many ways. Um, and I know I, what I'm about to say is probably going to upset some people, but, um, one of the things that AI can do is it can, for a lot less money, do
do certain customer contacts, including prompting of certain sales, that's more effective than the vast majority of people agencies employ. And so one of the things that's going to happen is that we have a lot of producers and some account managers that are paid very well for very poor results. And AI can do that job better than them for a lot less money. And we're, we're going to have that happen. And the agencies that continue to insist on, hey, my people are great. And yeah, I know their results don't show that they're great, but they're great. Um, they're that's, that's, they're going to get put out of business. It's too expensive a model for mediocre to poor results. Uh, that's coming very quickly. Um, and on the carrier side, we have something similar. Um, and this goes towards the point of the hard market. The carriers that, um, and this is really going to upset some people, but the carriers. We don't ever do that on this podcast, Chris. We never say anything that's upsetting <laughs> at all, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. The carriers that continue to insist on paying three entities to do one job, I, you know, for example, underwrite, underwrite low level property, and they're doing it in a horrible, stupid way by blanket underwriting. You don't need to pay an underwriter just say no to everything. That's pretty waste of money. You're paying the underwriter to underwrite to say no. You're paying an agency to upfront underwriting, and you're paying an AI team to figure out how to do your algorithms. And that's just a complete waste of money to pay three people to do to one job. The carriers that don't figure that out and adapt quickly are going to get put out of business. And that AI's there, and Anarog knows way more about it than I do. But would you say that's a fair statement that? If it's not there, it's going to be there in the very, very near future. Is that fair, Anurag? 100%. I think underwriting is one space where AI actually was used very early on by a lot of carriers. And and again, how, you know, I, I think a tool is only as good as the person who uses it, right? So you can get the best tools, but if you don't deploy it or what do you do with it? So the AI can is already existing where things like underwriting, pricing, those are things where claims, you know, these are things where AI has already been deployed. People are already trying to use it and it'll keep extending. And every time it finds an inefficiency, AI will automatically gravitate to taking over something where you see inefficiency, right? Like you said, if people are pay, being paid a lot to do very poor job, that's an automatic you know, gravitational pull for somebody to say, okay, let me find a cheaper way to do this or let me find an automated way to do this or an intelligent way to do this at a lower cost, right? So you're you're 100%, 100% right that, you know, and going back to your, your other point on people, right? So if people are, if there is a performance issue, I mean, I talk to a lot of agencies and say, we have people issues, we have a hard time finding talent or we have a hard time, having people who perform well. And my answer to that is, aren't you better off using a tool that almost creates a higher baseline for your team members to perform and say, okay, as soon as you join, 
by default, I'm going to give you these five tools or these five workflows that will mean that you perform at a certain standard automatically in this group. And your skill is to take it higher than that, right? So even if you get a new person in your agency, if the AI tool is feeding them, you know, a certain set of inputs, no matter where somebody comes from a, you know, less experience or more experience, they all have a starting point where you are not, and then they can take it higher with their knowledge and their skill, but you don't fall below that, right? Uh -huh. So so that I think is something people almost think of, oh, if I use a tool, am I replacing people? You're not replacing people, but you are creating benchmarks of efficiency and performance, irrespective of whether you can hire you know, more people or not, right? So I think answering some of these questions using these tools, um, 100%, and you know, it's a shameless plug from what we do at Aureus and our platform, but essentially, we, if, you, if I told you that you will get 80% of all your risky customers. If I identify and say only call 25% of your customers and you will identify 80% of your risk of churn. Isn't that better instead of you calling 100% of your customers and hoping that they all renew, yeah. right? So you're suddenly calling only 25% of your customers and still retaining the same or better than what you were retaining earlier, right? It's a simple way of, driving you know performance like as you were mentioning now suddenly your performance on retention is baseline at that level because you used it yeah yeah and if anyone's listening and they're wondering they're thinking oh this is just but three idiots talking or two not anrock but you know um exactly. anrock's point's been made and proven in a book called noise written by um, Nobel Prize winners in economics. And they actually took two industries um, to examine whether his point um, works. The one industry was the criminal justice system and the other was property and casualty underwriting. And it, it, their point in their book and what they proved categorically um, is pretty much exactly what Anurag just talked about. So the proof has been made. It's already out there. The tools exist um, at that level. And um, whether the insurance companies um, are smart enough to use the tools well, that's all another story. But the smart ones are already winning the market. And, uh, and the others that are being left behind have a, a very limited lifespans. It's there. The as Anurag said, and I think it's really constructive how you said, use this to create a new benchmark. I like that a lot. It's going to be very disruptive because a lot of people have in our industry are, are pretty content to do a mediocre job at best. So I think that um, just setting a new benchmark is going to be um, um, very difficult emotionally but it's that's a really constructive way to do it i like that a lot yeah no so let me that's interesting just, book. I definitely catch up on that let me ask you a question on on what you were just talking about because we had um a big discussion in our agency just just within the last week obviously with the uh, hardening of the market you have clients that are 
that are shopping and things, not everybody, but a certain percentage are. And and we've been very fortunate with our retention, but we're starting to see a few things, right. With people that are calling up and, and, and we're trying to, uh, the, the, the discussion to make it short was all about kind of predicting what people are going to do and where should we focus our efforts to try to maintain that retention? Cause we admitted to ourselves right up front, we can't do everybody all the time, especially with the increase in workload that we have already from the hard market. And so what you're saying is the AI and especially even what you do right now is in existence to say, here's where the efforts need to be focused. Some of that work can come off your plate and you can maintain better results with, with, you know, the effort putting into the tool rather than people. Exactly. And, and whether it's retention or, or trying to cross sell, and, and I know the current market conditions are maybe not everybody's thinking of cross sell today, but both on the retention and cross sell, I think the idea is prioritization, right? So instead of, like you said, you can't call or you can follow with all 100% of your customers, but which ones should you be focusing your resources on, right? And same goes for cross-sell. If I told you, don't bother trying to cross-sell to these 60% customers, they are not going to buy anything. But these 40% are the more likely ones. You are probably better off putting your energy and resources focusing on those 40 instead of trying to sell to everybody, right? Um, I was talking to an agent recently. He said, oh, we we add this as a cross-sell to every single proposal we send out. I think that's great, but do you know which ones are going to actually take that or are you just adding it to everybody? Yes, adding it as an option for everybody is a good idea. You're putting it in front of them. But if I told you to additional effort in, in addition to just offering it, do a few more things to these 10 who are likely to buy, right? Aren't you better of doing that than just putting it as an option in every proposal and hoping that those who are interested will buy, right? So the agent thought they were doing already offering it to all their customers. So they said, oh, we sell cyber to all our customers, right? We offer it. But if you sell it to everybody, that means you're waiting for them to realize they need it. And because you haven't put any specific efforts on the ones who really need it, right? So so that's really the, the difference, whether it's cross-sell, whether it's retention, you know, using tools to understand your customers. I think that's that's the key, right? And then, and then surrounded with things like we discussed on marketing and sales and, you know, content creation forms, you know, one of the things I, I have you guys heard of a tool called Typeform, which became very popular sometime back for creating forms, which is a very cool form creation. So if you want to create questions or forms, they have a AI version of it called Formless. So now you have a form which is more intelligent than just asking questions. It is changing questions based on what somebody has answered before. So it's not a chat, but it's a form. So imagine you asking a survey, running a survey, but the survey questions adapt based on what people answer, right? Now that's a much more smarter way of asking than just asking the standard 10 questions to everybody. Right. I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that tested um, at the agency level. Um, not the specific one that you mentioned, but um, I've seen it. More. Yeah. And and um, 
it's it's slick. It works. It's pretty neat. So now you're making it more specialized, more focused to the customer's needs. So if the customer says, yes, this is my background, then you're asking a different question versus the customer says, I don't really care about this. You're asking a different question to them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not a form-based or it's not rules-based, but it's learning intelligently and changing the questions based on that. And that's where, so again, you've created, going back to the same theme, you've created more focus and more resources to understanding the customer rather than trying to be for do it for everybody yeah i like that a lot paul well i mean this has been a great discussion on these tools right and i think if if i could sum it up and y'all throw in your comments for this but um you know everybody's can use chat GPT or a similar tool to write blog posts right now. And that's a great place to kind of dip your toe into it, but it's really coming for all facets of the, of the agency industry, sales, marketing, customer experience operations. And even today, it's not just a blog post you can do it for. You can really use it to focus your efforts on, on retention retention is a huge thing right now that's that's where it's at but but you can uh just use it for so many more things exactly exactly yeah no i would say chat gpt is cool and please do use it and have uh have fun and but again use it with some prompt understanding and making sure that you're using it with it's it, it, otherwise you're probably using only 50 horsepower of a 600 horsepower engine right so you're asking write me a blog post that's fine. But if you ask the right question, so even on the chat GPT side, use it more effectively. And on the other, we discuss other tools that, that can help. I mean, there's one more I, I really love and we haven't used it a lot to be honest, but I think it's really cool and we will. It's called Synthesia, which basically, you know, we've got people in our tech team or people in our product team who really know the topic or a subject well but they are very shy to go on a video to explain or make a video, right? So what this tool does is very cool is you can just write a script or a text and it makes a video out of it, right? And, and that makes it so much easier for people who are not comfortable sitting in front of a camera and making a video. They can just write some explanation. So if I have a data scientist who wants to talk about customer sentiment, but he's not camera friendly, he can just give me an explanation. I feed it and there's a video created out of it um, as if somebody's actually presenting it. Very cool, right? Now you can use this for explaining some things about insurance to your customers. Use that and not everybody has to sit in front of a camera to do it, right? So those are things that are also practical and usable. And we've started using it. We haven't used it a lot, but I think it's it's pretty neat. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you both for another uh, really enlightening conversation about this. And we appreciate everybody listening. We'll talk to you next time.